Welcome to Beyond a Parent, the podcast for Christians seeking clarity for parenting in a confusing world. I'm Jeremy Autry. And I'm Chuck Mead. And we last talked about making uh, decisions for your kids. So when your kids are really young, you make all the decisions for them. When they're out of the house, they make all their decisions. And what it looks like parenting in the middle of that. And so we talked about different lines you draw every day for your kids. So if you say, my kids make all their decisions, that's not true because there's some things you draw a line and say, this is a non-negotiable. What would some of those be, Jerry? Um, for most of us, that would be school. Um, you don't get to choose whether or not you're going to receive an ed- education that might look different in every home. If so, you may get your kids taken from you yeah. if you say you don't need to go to school and you do that all the That's time. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So um, that would definitely be one. There's probably some hygiene rules in your house that, you know, you have to brush your teeth. Yeah. How many of you had a kid who just didn't want to take a bath, didn't yeah. want to take a shower, didn't want to take a bath? And that's you, so disgusting. You were just like, yeah. okay, I don't care. I'm gonna ch- make that decision for you. It's like pig pen on on peanuts. Do you remember him, Chuck? Uh, I think I know who you're talking about. The you guy know. with the cloud of dust around oh, him all the time. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Yeah. See, pig pen. Yeah, they his brought. Didn't care. You know, they brought peanuts <clears throat> column back into the Daily Record. Well, no, back. So now you have Garfield, BC, and peanuts as your three cartoons in the daily record there's three cartoons in the daily record and there's three people still reading a printed newspaper and and you're one one of them and not ashamed of it that's okay so what we say is you make decisions you draw a line for your kids and you say i don't care if you disagree i'm making the decision this is a non-negotiable so we want to take this episode and saying where does church fall into in that? Should church attendance involvement be a non-negotiable? You can probably already guess what the position that Jeremy and I would have on this is. Yeah, we're pretty um, we're pretty staunchly in the non-negotiable camp. We believe that church attendance for every Christian and the offspring of every Christian should be non-negotiable. It's not just me and Jeremy's personal opinions. We really go to scripture on this. And so we're just going to launch uh, the episode in this position going to God's word first. Jeremy, I'll start with this passage in Nehemiah. So We already have brought up the passage in Deuteronomy in a previous episode about, you know, basically the word of God, the truth of God's word should be taught to your kids all the time. But then we see before the church in the Old Testament gathering of the people in Nehemiah chapter 8, where Ezra is reading the law to the people of Israel after they have been, um, they've come back to Jerusalem out of exile. And in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse uh, 2 and 3, we see that Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of all the men and women. It says, everyone who could hear with understanding. So all who could understand the word of God were brought together to hear the word of God being read. And really, we see a lot of the way church services are handled today really comes the preaching of God's word, the reading of God's word. We can see elements of that all the way back in the Old Testament of the reading of the law and the importance of everyone gathering together to hear that. What about Hebrews chapter 10? Uh, I'm going to read Three verses, starting in verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, 
not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching, making it clear that we gather together not just because it's a command in Scripture, but the reason behind that command is we're gathering together for corporate worship, and we're we're provoking each other to love and to good works. And then this passage in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, we see in the early um, church the description of what the church did as they gathered. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. This is what the church did when they gathered together. And they saw the hand of God doing incredible things among them. It talks about how they had all things in common. They sold their possessions and gave to everyone who was in need. And then it says they continued daily with one accord in the temple. They broke bread from house to house. They ate their food uh, together with gladness um, and togetherness and heart, praising God, having favor with the people, and God added to the church. So we see the church gathering together on a daily basis doing these things. And right here at the very beginning of the church, we see this is a community. These people are close. They're serving each other. They're growing together. They're a unit. They're this and at the very inception, very beginning of the Mm -hmm. church. Uh, And then I love this Colossians chapter three, starting in verse 15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body. Um, This isn't the only place that the church is uh, called a body to help us understand how the church is supposed to function and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. The concept is that we gather to help each other grow, to help each other learn, teaching each other, admonishing each other, and singing together to worship God. You can't do that at home watching Facebook. This is a gathering of the saints together, helping each other grow, and then corporately worshiping our Savior. Yeah, and that you hear that concept a lot. The church is known as the body of Christ. And uh, if you're wondering what that icy sound in the background, me and Jeremy are enjoying oh, yeah. a, a great uh, coffee beverage from Starbucks. Yeah. You'll hear that from um, both of us. Chuck's hip and he drinks cold coffee. And every now and then when I'm hanging out with him, I do too. You know how we go. And I, I, you know how they like banish straws. And at first I was like, I hate that. But I'm, I kind of love the sipping from the top of a cold drink without yeah. a straw. It feels manly. Is that the... No, not at all, but it's fine. Sorry, we're getting off topic, but (laughs) here's the thing. Church is a body, and Jeremy, you said this earlier, but if the ears are always staying home, that's an issue, right? We all are apart. It's clear. I mean, and this is not a man-made analogy. You know what I mean? This is the Bible describing the church as a body and not the church building, the church, the people, the Christians who make up the church. And a body has to be together. That's the concept. For it to work, all those pieces have to be in place doing their job, um, working together for the body to function. It doesn't work if parts of it are in other places. So we are advocating to you as as Christian parents who love Jesus, as you are making decisions for your kids, as you are deciding what the hills are that you die on, what are the battles uh, you want, you're willing to fight the non-negotiables in your home and raising your children, we are advocating in this episode that church involvement, church engagement must be a non-negotiable for your family. But, Jeremy, 
uh, well, we see the flip, the argument for this. At what point does this begin to um, dip into legalism? Yeah, because legalism. we don't we don't want to teach our kids legalism and chain them up to that, and them have to wrestle through that as adults. You know, we want to we want our kids to be free from that. So I I agree. Let's stay away from legalism. But legalism is taking a biblical concept, a biblical command, and applying it to my life and expecting you to apply it to your life in exactly the same way. Um, and we've already discussed when it comes to parenting, things are going to look different as I know who my kids are and listen to the Holy Spirit and apply these um, biblical truths in my home. So things are going to look different for you as you embrace the biblical truth that we're supposed to be engaged with the body of Christ. We are supposed to attend church. We are supposed to be learning, growing, and serving, and worshiping corporately at church. And then we apply that in our family. Um, that's going to look different from home to home. Does that mean every single thing that your church offers you have to attend or you're not accomplishing that? No, that's not what that means. But by the same token, does it mean that you can show up once a month and sit through a sermon and leave during the invitation and say that you're plugged into the body and corporately worshiping and serving alongside of your brothers and sisters and helping them to grow as they help you to grow? Probably not. Yeah, and this is not, we're not talking about things that Scripture is clear on. You can agree to disagree. We've talked about that already. Scripture is very clear that we must, to be a a saved believer in the New Testament age, and to be a part of a church means you must be engaged, gathering together to mutually encourage and love the body of Christ. But faithfully attending, faithfully um attending and being a part of that congregation, assembling together, that may look different. So we've got to establish that. We're not saying, uh, drawing that hard and fast rule, this is exactly, this. the Bible is not being explicitly clear of, you must attend your church's uh, Sunday school, you must come to their midweek service, because the way churches gathered has looked differently over the years. But what we follow, and we really take the blueprint that our pastor has laid out for us, but also it just goes hand in hand with this is what it looks like to be engaged in a church. For a growing Christian, you should be involved in corporate worship. What does that look like in our context, Pastor Jeremy? Corporate, corporate worship. worship in our context. Um, well, it would be singing together as a body, um, but worship's more than just singing. Worship's anything that we do that shows that God is worth more than anything else in our lives. So it would be uh, everything that we do as a body to show that God is important to us and, we, and we're and we worshiping Him. So obviously singing's the first thing that comes to mind, but there's other things that we're going to talk about, you know, serving and just showing up <laughs> that are putting God first in your life. So that corporate worship would be the time when our church or whether you attend another church, they gather together once a week to gather on the Word of God, to be in, in one accord, worshiping, singing praises, praying together. Typically, that's going to look like your your main Sunday morning service right. is what we would gather. Right. But also for a growing, a lot of people People just stop there. It's just the the main service. That's why that's typically your highest attended thing in a church. And a lot of people also are there as spectators and not participants. Yes. And that doesn't that's not worship. If you're just sitting back and watching, mm-hmm. but not actually participating in showing God um, that you are putting Him first, that's not worship. That's attendance. 
But a lot of times it just stops there. And there's a whole avenue that people miss out on. And for a growing Christian, we shouldn't just be involved in corporate worship, but also in community and in discipleship. Now, what does that look like in a church? um, Typical churches, at least in our area, this would be either a Sunday school attendance, a small group gathering, a Bible study that you're participating in. When you're sitting down, you're part of a group, you are studying God's Word and discussing it together, and also just involved and engaged with each other in personal relationships. Yes. So that that is a crucial part of growing as a follower of Jesus Christ. Um, and there's so many different avenues you can do to be involved in that. But again, that is, for a growing Christian, that must be a part of their lives to be involved in that community, that discipleship. And then the last area for a growing Christian, you should be involved in corporate worship, community, discipleship, and in serving. Yeah. Yeah. Again, church being part of the body is not just a spectator event. It's participatory. Uh, so there should be some aspect in the life of a growing Christian where they are serving. And Chuck and I agree wholeheartedly that this begins as soon as you become a child of God. Yep. If that happens when you're six years old, 16 years old, 26 years old, um, 100 years old, whatever that is. So that means kids should be serving, teens should be serving, adults should be serving. All of us should have a regular act of service that, that we're participating in in our local New Testament church. Yeah, if you maybe had the understanding that the pastors of the church were the ones that were supposed to be doing all the work, and then the church, the your church person who just attends, they just sit back while the pastor do all the work. That is not what Scripture says. That's a very modern concept of church. It doesn't fit anything we read in Scripture, anything that... Um, we see in the history of the church, right. really. Well, when it, we also see in the New Testament when it talks about all the different officers and uh, different areas of service that God gave, and God gave them apostles and pastors and teachers and evangelists. When God gives those certain officers in within the church, it says their role is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Right, right. So we're all serving, and the pastors are yes, obviously are serving too, but they are equipping everybody. Every single person has a role in the body of Christ, um, and that's how we're effectively able to reach more people with the gospel is when we're all serving together. We're back to the metaphor of the church as a body. Every part of your body serves a purpose and is is needed except for maybe some weird organs they can pull out and nobody will notice and I'm still unsure about that. So um it, you know this is what Christ is teaching us about the church in general that this is how it's supposed to look and this is how we participate in it. So we say church engagement must be a non-negotiable for your family. But then what a lot of times what we find is there is a danger to that. Because some people can get embittered about that. Oh, yeah. Now, I grew up in church my entire life, Jeremy. I was like, it was a non-negotiable always. You're going to church. And I'm sitting here now, and I'm leading my family to do the same exact thing. And I'm not going to say every single day there was a church service that I was forced to attend. I just, with glee and joy, just bounded out the door to go to church. No, there were moments I did not want to. But a lot of people are hesitant about making this a non-negotiable because they don't want their kids to get bitter about being forced to attend church if their heart isn't fully in it. What do you say to that? Right, right. 
Well, if we just look at this this um, discussion logically, if you were trying to help your kid know that anything is mandatory, this has to happen, and you're worried that they're going to hate being forced to do that, you explain to them why this has to happen. Yeah. You don't just tell your kid to brush their teeth. You tell your kid if you don't brush your teeth, you're going to get cavities, you're going to have yuck mouth, whatever is going to happen. Here's the reason you have to brush your teeth. Church attendance is the same thing, but I think we fall into the trap of not really embracing it for ourselves so we can't pass this on to mm. our kids. But it has to be this discussion. Hey, this is important, and this is the reason our family prioritizes this. This is the reason it's a non-negotiable. We are following the mandate of Christ. We are stepping up and um, engaging in corporate worship, discipleship, and service because the Bible is clear that this is needed. Yeah, that's so, so important. We would with passion tell our kids if they were fighting us about going to school, we would with passion tell them, no, this is why you need to go to school. You need to finish your, uh, finish high school, get a diploma or get your GED or whatever it is. And then like, this will help you for your future, for your job. And if we, if we're not sharing that with our kids about when it comes to church engagement, it's because maybe we don't understand the importance and the value and necessity of it. Yeah, and let's step back and make sure we're wrapping our head around this concept. We come to church, first and foremost, because God is worthy and He deserves our corporate worship. He deserves our service. But at the same time, we come to church to learn how to better live our lives. The way that God teaches us to live is the best way to live. And we want that for our kids. We want them to experience the joy and peace of living a life with God at the center. And um, we're missing that when we don't prioritize coming to church, learning more about who God is and how to live in in light of that. Um, This is what is best for our kids. And if we help them see that at a young age, then we're ahead of the game. They're uh, hopefully embracing that, and then they become a child of God, and they're experiencing that so that once they're an adult, this is part of who they are and how they live instead of a battle that they have to fight. Yeah, our goal in this is you teach your kids, you you make the non-negotiable of brushing your teeth, of showering. We're spending a lot of time on teeth. I don't know. I just feel like because that is just like a (laughs) common thing. You're going to make your kid do this. And we do that in hopes that when they get old, they're not going to be like, man. I hate that my mom made me brush my teeth man, every day. Or, man, I don't have any teeth left yes, because my yeah, mom didn't make me brush right, my teeth. Maybe that. <laughs> and, and we think, okay, when they're older, they're going to see the significance of it. We we mandate, we, we make church attendance a non-negotiable. And yes, one day they're going to make their own decisions. They may not choose that. But at least we will have done our part in showing them in not just not just making them go, but explaining this is the importance in hopes yeah. that they're going to see the value of this and continue this with their own kids. And I would say also there's a great importance of modeling what we're expecting of our kids. Mm-hmm. So I'm not just attending church. I'm also, they're seeing me participate in corporate worship. They're seeing me be part of discipleship. They're seeing me serving and not just setting this up as a, as what's expected of them, but I'm also doing that and it's impacting my life and yeah. they can see that I'm growing in Christ too. So why, why do some kids get bitter about being forced 
to attend church. It could be they were never born again, really just realistically and saw the never saw the importance of it. It could be they saw a maybe some, a double life in their parents and hip- hypocrisy from their parents forcing them to go to church and hearing what was being taught, but it being totally different than what they saw at home. Um, so that is a big reason, and we've already kind of touched on this, but if you're just making the demand without helping them understand why that why this is a non-negotiable, then that may open them up to resenting church. Yeah, and if you're worried about a lost kid and you forcing them to go to church, you're not going to push them further away from the Savior. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like getting them under the gospel and giving them a chance to hear it and the Holy Spirit a chance to work in their life is never going to be counterproductive yep. to winning. This is an argument that I've heard before, and it, it, it doesn't make logical sense. If you if you have a kid who doesn't know Christ as their Savior, getting them to church isn't going to hurt them. Yeah. But by the same token, that kid deserves a discussion too. Hey, right. this is why. We go to church, even yeah. though you don't embrace this truth. I believe it's true. I'm convinced of it, and I want you to know more about it because I love you and yeah. you're important to me. That's a lot different than get yourself in the car right now, or there's this, you know, this punishment that's coming. Right. You know, that discussion with this kid that helps them understand that they are loved, and because of that, this is the, the decision that's being made for them. I want my kid every single opportunity. Because at the bottom line, yes, we've talked about this from the very beginning. Their salvation is going to be what they decide to do with Christ. So I want to give my kid every single opportunity they can hear, not just from my mouth, but from the mouths of other people who are telling them about Christ, to hear that gospel truth over and over and over again. So yes, it may be another Sunday. It may be another Sunday conversation of why, but they're getting another opportunity to hear the truth of God's word. And who's not to say that this one Sunday could be the day God opens their, God, God shows them the truth of the gospel and they they recognize their need to be saved and yeah. give their life to Christ. Because here's the truth. Either we believe the Bible or we don't. If we believe that um, there is a creator of the universe and that everyone in humanity has broken his rules and deserves to be punished, but he sent his son to take our punishment. And the only way to be forgiven and have a relationship with him is the gospel. Uh, If we really believe that, then what is more important than getting our kids under the teaching of that gospel? Mm -hmm. What could trump that? What could be more important? And then once they become a child of God, what could be more important then growing closer to him and learning more about him. He's the creator of the universe, and he's our savior. What could be more important? For all of eternity, this is the only thing that's going to matter with what we poured into our kids. This is this is it. Because if your teeth fall out, you know, that's, that's bad. You don't want your right. teeth to fall out. But in heaven, we get perfect bodies yes. with perfect teeth. So this is it. This is the thing that God has given us our kids for this purpose, to point them to him. Yes, the decision is left with them, but we want to give ourselves every single opportunity to pour into our kids what's the only thing that's going to matter for all of eternity. Yeah. it. Um, I think sometimes we fall into the trap. This just popped into my stream of consciousness, my thought. But sometimes we just fall into the trap of what is right here in front of us, this temporary thing that seems so urgent, and we think, oh, well, we'll just put church off for this season or for this moment, or we'll prioritize this other thing, this other activity for now. But man, think about how little of time 
we have with our kids in our home that we can say, no, this is a priority and we're going to put this first. Mm. Those 18-ish years go by so fast. And if we just keep prioritizing other things, we're going to turn around and we've spent the majority of their time um, as minors and under our roof and, and under our guidance. We spent the majority of that time putting the most important thing behind other things, you know, and um, you can't go back. You can't change that. Right. So why, when we, when we talk about church involvement and we talk about church engagement as the student pastor of this church and as the children's pastor of the church, um, when we talk about the role of children's and student ministry, some people may say, why do I need that aspect? Can I just teach the word of God myself? Why do I need that? What does my kid get through those ministries um, at the church that they couldn't get anywhere else. What would be our case? Well, Jim? we feel pretty strongly about this because it's our literal vocation, yep. our calling. That's what the word vocation means. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what we, what God has called us to do. So here's the concept. Um, I specialize. I'm not saying I'm the best in the world at it, but it's it's my professional job to teach kids the gospel, the scriptures, um, how to understand the Bible more. That's my job. Pastor Chuck's job is to teach teenagers, middle schoolers, and high schoolers those same things, and then for us to give them opportunities to serve and worship corporately. Mm -hmm. Um, So we study that, and we pray about that, and we put together programs and sermons and lessons for that purpose because we are called to partner with parents to teach young people who God is and how we live in light of that truth. If kids are not involved at their church in the children and students ministries in those churches, parents are missing a partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a parent's job, not first and foremost, it's the parent's job. But hey, we're here to help. We want to be on the team. We want to be um, we want to be your partner and your helper. And to miss that opportunity would be a, a shame. Yeah, and you think about it, you look for other resources to come alongside you to help you as you raise your kids. Um, whether even if you homeschool your kids, because obviously if you're not, there's someone else helping you with educa- educating your kid. But even if you homeschool your kids and you do the majority of that, you use other resources, right? Yeah. I don't think you're writing your own homeschool curriculum. So, <laughs> I mean, not. you're bringing uh, other people alongside yeah, you. Because as a as a parent... It's your job to make sure your kid knows how to read. It's your job to make sure your kid is learning math. But you have partners to help you in those in that realm. Uh, so why not have a partner to help you in the most important realm of all, the gospel and God's word? And that's the purpose of, in your church, children and student ministries. Um, so do I think kids should be engaged in those ministries? 100%. Yeah. And it, it is just uh, we what we tell parents and everything, we can't force you, can't guilt you, your kids into coming to these ministries, but we just take the position of we're, we're literally just coming alongside you to help you in this discipleship journey. Again, that doesn't mean we have the full responsibility. We take that, we come alongside you and partner with what you're already doing at home and pointing your kids to the Lord, pointing your kids to his word. And um, we just want to be that role in your kids' spiritual development. Yeah, and presenting opportunities with kids and teens in mind for corporate worship and for service that 
fit well with who they are and where they're at um, in their maturity and growth process. Your work is not in vain in this area. I'm sitting here as a product, and I know not everybody I grew up at the church at church with has this same is is following the Lord. Maybe even claims to be a Christian whose parents dragged them to church as well. But I, I can tell you that there were so many moments I didn't see the value in attending church all the time. There are moments I wish I would have stayed home more, but God used the ministry of the local church that my parents forced me to go to. And I'm sitting here as a product because God used that and God can use it in your own kids' lives. And so that may take some major adjusting that may take, you've, you've not emphasized it. And when you begin to emphasize it with your own kids, that they're going to fight it. When you put a new non-negotiable in your home, that can be tough, but I'm telling you, it is worth it. So Pastor Jeremy, what could be some action steps we take from this? All right. So the first action step obviously would be, let's sit down and let's determine that this is not negotiable. Um, We can talk about what it's going to look like in our family, but that we are going to attend and engage with church and in church. The first action step would be as a family to determine that that is a Mm non-negotiable. Then we would also say not just make this a mandate, but then begin to have conversations with your kids about the why. If your kid says, why do we have to go to this tonight? Why do we have to do this? That is your opportunity. That's an open door into giving this why conversation. And have a conversation with your kids about what that's going to look like too. Hey, we're going to, we're, we're coming to the main worship service of our church and we're, what would be the best way for us to engage in discipleship and building community with other people in our church? What are opportunities for us to serve? This, this is a healthy conversation for you to have and include your kids in part of the, the decision making process of it. At least, the conversation around the decision. Ultimately, as a parent, that should be the decision that you make. But if you include your kid in that conversation, it's less of a negative experience of them being, quote unquote, drugged to church. Yeah. And then um, what would you say about just a closing word on living out your faith? Listen, the last thing you want to do is force your kid to come to church sit through the teaching, the sermon, the songs, and then just go back to regular life um, the way it was before. If your kids aren't seeing in you Christian growth, we're teaching them that what's taught at the church isn't real and it doesn't work, and and they're too smart for that. They're going to grow up and say, hey, I don't need to check off that box. If it's not real, then why am I wasting hours of my life on it? And they're going to step away from the church. Studies have proven this is the number one reason that kids who grew up in the church become adults who don't attend church because they saw a disconnect in the life of their family. So don't be that. Be an example that what I'm learning is changing who I am, and now I'm, I'm growing and becoming more like Christ. That's so good. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to Beyond a Parent. Remember, parenting is beyond us, but in Christ we have everything we need for this journey. Thanks, guys.